This is GNE, the podcast, Golf and Entrepreneurship, episode 15, with Patrick Kraft, founder of Sphere of Golf. Um, here, it's just kind of like, it's, it's me, let's go, let's do this, let's make it work, let's make it happen. Um, I want to see that, that return on the back end, and I have nobody else to blame but me. So if it's not, if there's something going wrong, it's me. If there's something going right, it's me. Um, and, and I like that feeling. I like that, that opportunity that comes with it, starting your own business. Welcome back to G&E, the podcast, Golf and Entrepreneurship. My name is Ryan Walker, and I am your host and the founder of G&E Magazine. G&E, the brand, is dedicated to all things golf and entrepreneurship. And with that being said, I am really excited to announce that we are moving forward with an amazing initiative. It's called G&E's Marketplace. And this will be a place where innovators and entrepreneurs in golf will be able to sell their products to you guys, my audience, And this is so exciting because not only will I be talking to these amazing entrepreneurs creating these really cool products for for golf, but also they'll have a chance to put them up in the store and sell them to you guys, you know, all in one place right on the magazine. And I'm so excited for this episode because not only do we have on Patrick Kraft, the founder of Sphere of Golf, a startup golf ball company, but also he'll be opening the first store of many to come in the marketplace and that's officially going live today and he has an amazing product for you guys so head on over and check it out uh, with this article after the uh, after the show and besides that though I'm really looking forward to diving into this episode Pat's going to go in and he's going to talk about his company and what he plans to do and how he wants to join the movement of disrupting the 1.5 billion dollar industry which is the golf ball industry and he has some great insights and some big plans and so you know without further ado I'd like to welcome Pat to the show how you doing today, Pat? It's good. Thanks for having me on the show, Ryan. I really appreciate it. Excited to do this podcast with you. Of course, Pat. You know, it's my pleasure, and I'm excited as well. And I just wanted to say thank you again for sending me over some of your golf balls. I've been playing them for the past couple of weeks and have been playing pretty well, and, and they're great, man. So congratulations on an awesome product. And to start things off with these interviews, I usually like to dive in, talk a little bit about your background, you know, where you're from, what you were doing before this, and how it all led to starting Sphere of Golf. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I grew up in Seattle. I went to the University of Washington, um, got a degree in finance, and so I was done with schooling. I went, um, started trading equities for a bit, um, wanted to do something a little bit different, so I decided to take a, a class in uh, web development. And uh, when I was in that class in web development, there was a lot of coding, and I thought there was a lot of opportunity in e-commerce. And um, I've always been a you know a huge fan of golf, so um, I was kind of looking for opportunities and something I, I like to do. And um, you know what you know what. So um, after that class, it was kind of the time that Costco came out with you know their golf balls, and they were you know a quarter of the price of the Titleist and the same quality. And so in my head, it was just a big yeah, and a huge hit. Yeah, huge you know huge hit. Uh, huge red flag of like, why are these golf balls so expensive? And, you know, what's, what's going on with the market? So I started to do a little bit more research in, in the e-commerce side of things and, uh, you know, saw there was an opportunity. So I uh, decided to go for that. Um, so it, it kind of just bounced around from finance to um, web development. And then I, you know, started this company at, at that point uh, when I, you know, saw that something I love to do, something there was, there was an opportunity in the market to, to do it. Um, and so I kind of reached out to a few different people, um, you know, Nassau is the guys that are doing Costco's golf balls. And then, um, you know, they didn't respond. I reached out to a couple other manufacturers and they didn't respond. And then there was, you know, a major company. I don't want to say their name. 
just because you know litigation people are pretty happy to start swinging this this industry. So uh, a major company basically left the golf ball industry, and I reached out to their manufacturer and said, "Hey, I want to start my own." Um, you know, golf ball company is kind of like, you know, a divine intervention almost of like things that just lined up and were able to happen. And they said, yeah, we're, you know, we're happy to do business with you. Um, so here I am, I'm starting up this golf ball company and, you know, trying to get the word out there, trying to get some local pro shops, um, selling online, obviously. Um, and yeah, that's what's going on now. That's really cool, man. It's kind of, uh, it's kind of interesting when you kind of decide to do something, how, for some reason, things just kind of start aligning and, and seeing, you know, the path it's going to take. And so I think that's really cool. You're able to kind of find a manufacturer and move forward. And so you know, my next question would be, what is the process like to start a golf ball company? Because I'm guessing you really didn't have much experience in uh, in this area of uh, golf, I guess. Yeah. So, you know, I started doing a lot of ton of research on golf ball. So, um, you know, the different types, different layers, how the dimples affect spin, how, you know, there's so many different factors that go into golf balls. Um, and so, it, you know, what I did is I started looking up spin rates and um, different cover types. And, you know, what I found is that there's, you know, two main cover types, you know, Serlin and uh, urethane covers. And what most of the pros are using, but majority of the pros uh, are urethane covers because they give more spin. They have a little bit of a softer feel um, and they actually check on the green. So, you know, if you're going to hit a harder golf ball, you're going to get a little bit more distance. But um once you touch the green, the, the ball is just going to keep rolling. And so these, you know, urethane is basically what you're looking for when you're looking for quality golf balls. Um, that makes the biggest difference. And so I was, you know, obviously looking for that, um, wanted to make sure that the ball was quality and that, you know, these guys had experience because I've been doing it for 25 years. Um, so they, they kind of guided me through a little bit once I started asking the right questions and kind of had the answers ready and, you know, uh, made me feel comfortable about everything. Um, and then after that, it was kind of all into the branding and then, uh, you know, getting the packaging made and having, you know, all these little steps that you need to, to have to start a company. Um, and it, you know, the list just keeps growing and growing and growing. Once you, once you get going, the ball kind of picks up like a snowball effect. You know, you think of, you need to do 10 things when in actuality you need to do, you know, 20 or 30 just to get the product to your door. Um, so once I, uh, I guess it's just, once I got going, I, I started learning a lot and just kind of going forward. And it was never like a checklist of things that I had to do because there was always something that was getting added to it. It was just like, what do I need to do next to make this happen? And so that's kind of the way I uh, approached it. Yeah, man, I couldn't agree more. It's amazing. If you just start it, uh, you look back a year later and you're like, whoa, I did all that. That's crazy. But um, so what's uh, what's making your golf ball unique? And I was playing years recently and I was hitting the uh, the four uh, the four layered one. Yeah. And I loved it. It went far as can be and around the greens, like you're saying. I mean, it was so soft. It had so much check on it. And I thought it was great, but I personally don't understand the science behind golf balls. So, you know, if I'm a customer and I'm coming to your website, I'm looking at your product, what makes it unique? Why am I going to buy yours? Right. So uh, if you're looking at pricing wise, that's kind of where we're competing because the quality of the golf ball is, you know, is as good as anything else on the market these days. Um, you're not going to be able to tell the difference between the Pro V and the Pro V1X between the, uh, our Pro 3 and the Pro 4 golf ball. That's their version of a three-layer golf ball and a four-layer golf ball. Um, both of them have the urethane covers. And so basically what we're competing on is price. Uh, our three layer golf ball, uh, is $25 online and we're going to be trying to get into pro shops and selling for $25. And then our four layer golf ball is $30. Um, and Tyler, you know, can range from like 40 to $55 a dozen. Um, so we're, we're basically half the price of the big name brands and that, you know, the quality is just there. It's just getting people to try the golf balls out and make sure they like them, uh, compression ratings of how much the golf ball moves in and out. 
uh, it's very similar with our three layer ball and their three layer ball and the four layer ball and the four layer ball. And so I think, I think just educating people on the fact that, uh, you know, a big name brand isn't going to have the very best ball uh, for the price, you know, especially people, high school golfers, college golfers, or people that are just trying to improve their game. They don't need to spend $50 on a, a dozen golf balls because it's not going to, it's not going to improve their game um, very much. So we're, we're just trying to get uh, quality out there um, at a way better price. Yeah, that's awesome. And I mean, they, they did have great quality. And so do you feel pretty confidently that they stack up with some of the big brands? And then I guess some of the other guys out there trying to do a similar approach like Vice Golf, do you feel like yours is really kind of right up there with, with them and in quality level? Yeah, absolutely. So our golf ball manufacturers are making golf balls for 25 years. Um, they've been doing it and keeping a track and doing all the R&D and, and making sure that, um, you know, these guys build golf balls for the, the biggest names in golf. Um, so we're just using the same manufacturers. They have different patents, of course. Um, but the golf balls compare very, very uh, equally to all of those golf balls. Uh, and there's testing on the site, SierraGolf.com. If you want to go and check the distance, um, you know, spin ratings and all that kind of good stuff. Um, you know, we, we're pretty similar in, in all the, all aspects of golf balls um, that they have the biggest names in golf. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more. I was I can't believe like how awesome it was when I was playing with it, and I was actually playing really well. So thank you. But uh, <laughs> um, I guess uh, yeah, I appreciate it. You know, I was, I was shooting some pretty good scores. But um, so, what is your target demographic for this? Are you trying to shoot for the millennial who's coming up and playing, or are you just trying to go for everyone? Yeah, I'm trying to come out for the millennial. Um people around the local area of Seattle, um, you know, eventually spread out, hopefully nationwide. Um, but the goal right now isn't to get into the, uh, you know, the posh caddy shacks because they have, you know, the money to blow $50 on some, some golf balls, but it's more the up and coming golf that really wants to improve, wants to take that next level step, um, going from a Serlin cover to a, a urethane cover. And I mean, the Serlin golf balls you can get for $20 a dozen at the pro shop, but, uh, I think you would agree that once you, you spend that extra $5, you're going to see a huge difference in how the golf balls react. Um, and, you know, even people that don't golf very often, I think would, would be able to tell the difference when they're hitting the balls onto the green and seeing how they kind of slow down um, and don't just go flying past. And so I'm trying to get to the people that are trying to take their golf game to the next level, but don't want to break their bank. Um, so I guess millennials, high school golfers, college golfers, um, you know, anybody Anybody that's wanting to improve their game that doesn't want to spend too much on quality, uh, over overpay for quality because we have quality. Um, that's that's pretty much the target market. All right, cool. And um, yes, yeah, so that's really cool. And so, how did you decide to, I guess, start a company in golf? Because you know you're saying you're in finance, and I guess you loved golf, but did you look at any other kind of e-commerce routes? And you just saw this opportunity, and we're like, you know, I might as well just run with it. Um, yeah, so I guess there's, you know, like I said, the Costco golf balls are selling for a quarter of the price of, you know, the, uh, the titles golf balls. And so I, in my head, I was thinking, wait a second here, these guys are, you know, the price of golf balls can't be $50 there. There's gotta be some kind of, you know, something in the market that's allowing this to happen that, you know, people are used to paying. It's almost like the dollar shave club. Those guys came out and they realized that people were paying $20 for a razor blade when the razor blade cost a dollar to make. So they got into the market because they saw that there was an opportunity and that people were overpaying and uh, vice is obviously there before us, but with vice, you have to buy five dozen to get your price down to 25. Um, with us, we're charging $25 off your first box. So there's no need to, you know, invest $125 to get a good deal. Um, we're just, we're just at that price point because we know it's the right, right, right price point. 
um, where everybody's happy. The customer's happy. Uh, we're happy and just getting it going. So I, I think just getting into the, the game of golf, uh, I saw the opportunity. I love to golf. It's a good, it's a good reason for me to get out and play golf more often. Now that I have a golf ball company, um, I want to do something that something that I you know wanted to do that, that would be intriguing for me, not just, you know, getting up and to go fill orders. Like I could go talk to pro shops, talk to people uh, about the game of golf. It, it's interesting. So I kind of ran with it once I saw the opportunity. That's cool. So how long have you been in the market for? Uh, so we've been in the market for about two months now. Um, the whole process is taken. So it's been about five months since I started the process. Um, but that was, you know, from scratch. So it took about three months to get the golf ball delivered, which is right in time for summer. Um, and then we've been two months, mainly online. Um, there's a couple of pro shops that have interest in the Seattle area. Um, so it's just kind of a slow build, um, trying to get the name out there. You know, this, this summer is kind of getting to the local shops and getting, you know, the pros to talk about the balls and say, you know, the quality. Cause it's hard to portray that. Uh, these are as good as any on the market when you're, when you're just doing it online because people haven't heard of it. Um, brand familiarity is huge. So, um, it's been, it's been a two months of, of actually having the balls and going out to pro shops and talking. That's pretty impressive. And you were speaking of brand familiarity. What is your plan to kind of get it out there and have people, you know, see Sphere Golf and or Sphere Golf and be like, "Whoa, you know, that's the golf balls that they're just super good quality and they're cheap and people are buying them." You know, do you have a set plan or maybe a marketing plan? Are you taking advantage of social media because basically everyone I talk to nowadays, and I know everyone agrees that social media is just absolutely necessary in starting a business. But you know, some people try to take advantage of it a little better than others. Yeah, absolutely. So we've tried uh, tried multiple different things. So I've you know put money into Google, I put money into Instagram, into Facebook, and they've all had pretty similar returns for me. Um, but what I'm trying to do to get the the name out there, uh, that's you know that's taking off a huge site. You're going nationwide when you're launching those campaigns, so that takes quite a bit of money um, to run those ads every day. And so what I'm trying to do is trying to get in to the local areas and have the word kind of grow uh, a little bit more organically. Um, so, you know, when people come in and they want to buy the golf balls, they can come in and see uh, steer golf balls and the pro behind the desk can say, hey, you know, try these balls out if, you know, he's a fan uh, and get the word out that way. So, so a little bit slower growth. I don't want to, you know, jump uh, nationwide because if, if it did take off, it, it's a, basically a two-month process to get more balls. And so I want to be able to kind of control it, um, the, supply, the supply I have and not run out for two months and then have to, you know, customers – throughout the entire summertime to get more golf balls. Um, so I want to be able to sell the golf balls, place another order and still have inventory. Um, so it's kind of a smooth transition. So that's kind of the idea uh, for me right now, just to grow uh, more locally. I do have the golf balls online and I'm you know happy to sell online as well. Um, but that's a little bit more of an uncontrolled. Once that takes off, um, it's kind of, it, it's, it can be a double-edged sword, I guess you could say. You know, you got great sales and then, People have to wait two months and there's no sales and people kind of forget about the product. So I'm trying to avoid that. Yeah, I'm actually reading uh, Shoe Dog right now. It's the memoir behind Phil Knight, the creator of Nike. And they kind of go into that, that when they're first starting off, all of a sudden sales came out of nowhere and they didn't have the inventory to back it up. And I think it's just a growing pain that a lot of uh, businesses, especially based around a product, uh, happen to go go through and so you know from my understanding you're kind of in your nascent stages you're two months old and you know you obviously have big plans to grow but um you're starting you're starting now is there a team behind you or are you just doing this all on your own 
Uh, right now, it's just a one-man show. So I've had help from, there's a lot of things online that I've gotten help from. So like, you can go to uh, Upwork.com and they did all the, the packaging for me. Um, you know, there's multiple people online that have helped me out just uh, for like small little projects that I don't have a background in. Um, and then I reached out to a friend for some graphic design. Uh, I reached out to a friend that are good at photography to take pictures for the Instagram account. Um, you know, just so I can start building that as well. So there's a lot of people that have helped. Um, but right now, it's just kind of a one-man show of me going out and selling, um, talking to the suppliers and kind of, you know, grinding it out that way. So the business aspect of things is, is just me. That's awesome, man. You're, you're in the hustle of it all. I'm, I'm guessing you're probably working your ass off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. It's a lot of fun, though. It doesn't feel like work. Yeah, I agree. It's amazing kind of thrill you get when you're going after something that you're passionate about and you're trying to turn into a business. And every day, I mean, you, you get going so early in the morning and before you know it, it's like seven, eight at night and you really have no idea how that even happened. Exactly. Um, so because you're on your own right now, are you, do you have plans to, I guess, one day get a warehouse? I'm more curious kind of how this works, you know, from my perspective and from my audience to hopefully kind of learn from this interview. Are you doing all inventory in your place right now? And then, you know, when things grow, you're going to take kind of one step at a time to hire a team, you know, open a warehouse, things like that. And I guess kind of my overarching goal is, or my overarching question here is, you know, what, what do you see for the future here? What's your kind of big vision? Right. So right now I do have a warehouse because I'm living in an apartment. Um, so I don't have space for, you know, okay. 24,000 golf balls in my place. It's just, it just wouldn't work. It's <laughs> too cramped. So <laughs> uh, I have like a storage space, um, that's got a computer and Wi-Fi in it, um, that I'm renting out. So I just go there every day, uh, fulfill the orders online. And then after that, I go out and I, you know, go talk to the pro shops. Um, eventually, you know, I would like to get to a place where I have somebody fulfilling the orders, um, you know, a team that way I can just kind of overlook the business. Um, but I'm guessing that's two or three years down the road, um, to get all those pieces in place just because, you know, once you're, once you're growing, you kind of want to keep, keep the money coming in. And, uh, if I'm hiring people, the wintertime, I'm sure is going to be slow for me. I haven't had a winter time yet. Um, but I want to be able to keep people on time. And so, you know, I want to make sure that the numbers are right. Everything's good before I, before I have a team in place and, you know, uh, hire somebody on for the summer and then have to let them go in the wintertime. So. I'm just kind of waiting that out. Um, but the future, you know, I want to see, I want to see sphere golf in, in golf shops across the nation, um, mainly in pro shops. Um, not so much discount golf or anything like that because the margins are going to be a little bit different. Um, I was talking to them and they wanted to have, you know, they wanted to, to raise it up, you know, a hundred percent. And that just wouldn't work with, with my model of business. So, um, I'm trying to find out ways to, to keep the price as well so the customers are happy. So just get it into as many shops nationwide. Yeah, you're trying to find, I guess, um, trying to find some good partners where you're, you'll be able to hopefully just get the name out there and uh, you're, you're saying pro shops and online and just doing your best to, to scale as fast as you can. Absolutely, yeah. And so were you able to take any of your lessons kind of from your job in finance, trading equities into this uh, entrepreneurial venture? Um, yeah, so that was kind of like a, when I was trading equities, it was kind of, you know, the results you, you get in or the results you put in, the results you get out. So, you know, however much effort I put into that and if I made a mistake doing that, it would reflect directly on me. So, um, I, I take that same mindset from, from trading equities to this, this golf ball business, because everything I put into it is what I'm going to get out. And if I'm making mistakes, the, the bottom line is it costs money. So I don't want to, you know, I want to minimize the mistakes. I want to think things through. Um, have a solid plan and just, and just kind of 
move slowly, but at a, at a steady pace. So I can keep, keep going and keep growing. Um, but also not trip over myself and have to, you know, too much overhead cost from, from things that I could have changed looking back. So that would be the number one lesson I'd say, uh, I've learned and kind of stuck with me. All right, cool. And, um, how did you eventually, I guess, decide to make the decision to, you know, take the leap from having a guaranteed paycheck at a very good job and just go out on your own and, you know, really roll the dice towards making this company. Do you remember making that decision and kind of the emotion that was behind it? Um, yeah, I mean, it was just kind of like I was ready to uh, to do it. I've always had that entrepreneurial spirit, um, and it wasn't really like a, a scary thing in my mind. It was kind of like a, an exciting opportunity at the time, I guess you could say. Like, I didn't have the jitters. I didn't have the second guessing about it. It was like, I'm ready to do this. I, I see an opportunity. I believe in myself enough that um, I'm going to make this work. And so when I when I got going, it was more of a, an excitement than it was a nervous feeling you know it's like what, what can i do next what do i need to do now to make this happen um and just kind of push forward and uh the, you know like i just said what what i get out of it is what i put into it and there's nobody else to blame that on you know when you're working at a job there's always politics and there's all this and all the clutter of, of working in a job um here it's just kind of like it's it's me let's go let's do this let's make it work let's make it happen um i want to see that, that return on the back end and I have nobody else to blame but me. So if it's not, if there's something going wrong, it's me. If there's something going right, it's me. Um, and, and I like that feeling. I like that that opportunity that comes with it, starting your own business. Yeah, man. I think that is just great advice for anyone listening. It's just you know, whatever you put in is what you get out. And you just got you really do got to work your ass off. And so, were you expecting coming into this? Um, I guess, have you learned any lessons since starting, since you're, you know, about five months into this? Are there any big lessons? Were there any failures you experienced, setbacks um, that you, you're trying to kind of figure out and move forward? Yeah, so I think I was expecting, like, right away to just blow up. <laughs> um, you know, you always have those, those dreams of grandeur. Um, and so I, I was thinking, you know, I'd put out the first Facebook ad and I'd have, you know, crazy amount of sales. I didn't have the number in my mind, but I was thinking, like, you know, I'm going to have trouble keeping up with inventory. And it's like, no. I kind of got a reality check of like, people haven't heard of your brand. You need to go out there and sell the brand. You need to grow the brand. Um, you know, people don't just see a, a new brand and go and buy it because it's less expensive. People have a uh, brand familiarity with, you know, the big names and they want to go play the big name brands. Um, and so that, that was kind of my reality check of like when I, when I got started, you know, when the golf ball showed up two months ago, I thought I'd be out of golf balls in a month and I was going to have trouble keeping up with inventory. And now it's like, well, you know, I'm selling golf balls at a steady rate, but I need to have, you know, more, more sales get out in front of more people. Um, so I wouldn't say there was any failure so far. There was just, um, more reality checks and then things I want to change, like the packaging. Um, I think I reacted a little too hastily when I got the packaging. So I had the packaging redone for the next order. Um, but it was nothing, nothing too serious that has been setting me back. I think it was more personal changes. Uh, personal preferences. I think having urethane on the front of the cover will help get the awareness that it's a quality golf ball. Um, Cause right now it just says pure golf and pro three and nobody knows what that is. Um, so I think having urethane and a lot of golfers know that that means it's a, a good quality ball on the front cover will help. So, um, so just little minor changes that I want to make. Nothing that's been too big of a setback though. Yeah, of course. You just have to go through a little growing pains until you uh, get it all, get all rolling and all figured out. Isn't that right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And so and I've, I've experienced the same thing. And I think that's a, that's a great insight is because it really does. Everything takes longer than you expect. And 
um, I guess you just got to really kind of sit back and enjoy the ride and just and see, you know, where it will take you. And I think with that thought in mind, I'd love to see if you had any advice for aspiring entrepreneurs. And I guess from you, you know, you're really just getting into it and you're, you're getting on a roll now. Do you have advice for someone who's, you know, at that job and they're thinking, you know, I kind of want to go do something I love and create a business around something I'm passionate about. Do you have advice for that person before they decide to leave and, and uh, go after it? Yeah, I'd say, um, you know, I got some advice from a college professor a long time ago. Um, and his wife started a business and he said, you just got to get started. Um, you know, even if you, you want to start the business on the side, you just have to get started. And then, and then keep the ball rolling. Once you get going, um, you'll start finding it's, it's more fun or you'll find out even if you don't like it, you'll, you'll know right away. But, um, you always have, if you always have the, the idea and you never take the action, um, nothing's going to ever happen. So the people that are always thinking about it, um, just take, take the risk and go for it. Um, and then once you get going, you, you start, you know, you see if you like it or if you don't like it and if it's going to be successful or if it's not going to be successful. But I think that's the, the number one thing is, uh, you have to, you have to go out and do it. You can't just have the idea. Um, and once, you know, once you get there, if you like it, you'll, you'll find out and keep going. I love it, Pat. I love it, man. That's, that's awesome. You know, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And is there anywhere people can find you, you know, maybe your personal accounts or maybe they can find Spear Golf online, Instagram, Twitter, you know, where can we find you on the internet? Yeah. So you can find me, um, speargolf.com. You can reach me at patrick.craft with a K at speargolf.com. Um, you can look me up on my LinkedIn profile at, um, Patrick craft at LinkedIn. Um, my Facebook speargolf.com, my Instagram page speargolf.com. Um, yeah, if you want to reach out, I'd love to answer any questions anybody has that's listening right now. That's awesome, Pat. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. You know, it's really cool going from finance into starting a golf ball company. And I really enjoyed, you know, not only kind of hearing about how that works, uh, but your own personal kind of insights into your starting your journey in uh, entrepreneurialism. And so, you know, Pat, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I, I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, Ryan. I really appreciate what you're doing. Of course, Pat. Thanks again, man, for really taking the time to explain your vision and what you got going on. You know, it was a true pleasure to interview you. And to all our listeners, thank you everyone for tuning in to GE the podcast. Make sure to go over to the website, gandemagazine.com, and check out the feature to go along with this episode. And as of today, you'll also be able to see GE's marketplace. And so not only will you be able to read about these fascinating entrepreneurs in golf, you'll also be able to start buying their products in the same place. And it's going to be amazing over the coming months. You know, a lot of these entrepreneurs with amazing brands are going to be putting their products in there. And so it's going to be really exciting for everyone involved. And so, you know, as always, head on over to the website, subscribe to the podcast, subscribe to the online magazine so you never miss new content inspiring entrepreneurs and golfers. And so once again, my name is Ryan Walker, and I thank you guys for listening today. 